You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast and a happy 2020 to you guys. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. Maybe you're dropping off your dry cleaning, picking up some milk, and now you can add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. You don't have to drop off or pick up anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you'll do today. Go to Geico.com. All right, let's do it. Happy New Year. Welcome to CarCast. I am Matt, the Motorator D'Andrea. I got Bill Goldberg in the garage at home in Texas, getting ready for a, for a big day today, big weekend coming up. Uh, man, lots going on. Hopefully everybody had a great holiday break, a good New Year. Everybody was safe and yeah, maybe, you got some, maybe you got some good car parts and you got some projects going on and, and uh, avoiding bad weather and... and uh, Getting it's getting some time with the family and maybe in the garage. That's that's what I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, by the way, we're going to get into these projects. Some stuff that I did on my car this this uh, holiday break, and Goldberg's going to talk about his, and then we want to hear about yours. So uh, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you guys are working on. Uh, send us a couple photos, see what kind of projects you got going on. And, uh, I know you guys have followed my social media. You saw that Bronco, the, uh, the, the night Bronco. I, I, I run past it in my, uh, in my neighborhood all the time. And, uh, it's, it's kind of tempting because, you know, I've got the lightning and I got the new engine going in it. I will have a spare lightning engine for a potential project one day. But, uh, anyway, uh, Bill, good to, good to get you back on the phone, buddy. I know you got a got lot going on. We've got uh, auction week in Scottsdale coming up. Um, I'm going to head out there in a few days. Uh, uh, lots of updates on the vehicle. I let's start with uh, let's start with one of your projects. I believe I saw uh, uh, Angel Marcus Angel post a photo of the Lawman Mustang. Do you got any updates on the Lawman? If you get in there, man, you know, uh, specifically, no, but um, <laughs> it's getting there. It, it's one of those things that <clears throat> the more you think about it, the more antsy you get about wanting to actually receive it. But since it's been there for such a long period of time and we are taking the utmost care in the, the proper restoration of it, man, we, we surely didn't want to rush it for that show in November, so we're not rushing it now. Um, I think... We are working on the interior as we speak. Electrical's going in, and uh, uh, seats should be going in soon, man. And I think you know we're 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 right towards the end of the project. I don't want to jinx it by any stretch of imagination, but we're we're right towards the end. We're we're two three months away. You know, I, it it's 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 interesting you say that. I the the most recent picture that I saw was uh, was the car basically painted up on its chassis, getting the parachute mounted in the back. Uh, none of none of the graphics or anything have been put on it yet. But um, 
But yeah, it looks like it is really coming together. Like it's, you know, looks like a lot of the assembly and stuff is is done. Now I can't tell in from the photo that that I saw, even if the engine was in it or not. But um, but it certainly looks like, uh, you know, certainly the um, the the running gear all underneath it and stuff is all good and it's done. And and if you really kind of zoom in on it, it's just it's just perfect. It's just detailed out to the to to the max. I mean, just every Every bit of of paint and nut and bolt just seems to be uh, just done. I can't imagine how nice this thing's going to be when it's done. Uh, well, I can tell you how nice how nice it should be because of the price. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say just but, based on the time and the money involved. And uh, now we know uh, we'll, we'll have. You know what we should do is we got to get uh, Angel back on the phone. At we got to get Marcus on the phone. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it's been way too update. long. He's he needs to update us on it. I, and, I, I don't know, want to get him on every and, week because he's got a job to do. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's why I don't bother him. I really don't. Um, you know, he is taking his time, but any time that I do take him away from that project, his projects, you know, or his, his time not well spent as far as my pocketbook's concerned. But um, like we spoke in the beginning, um, he has a terrific reputation and it, his work precedes itself and, um, if you want something done right, man, this is the guy to do it. So um, I don't care how long it takes. It's a it's a restoration that 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 needs that is punctuated by detail, quite obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took us a hell of a long time and him a hell of a long time to research, you know, the exact original markings of this car. Which, in doing a restoration, you know, are you going to duplicate it? Or are you going to you know make it different? This is. This is the vehicle to replicate every single original mistake that they made, whether it be paint-wise, code-wise. Um, you know, it's just got to be taken back to its original form. So I, I'd say that took most of the time. That really was you know, it. The I was gonna, process. I was going to comment that on that as well. The amount of research that was done, and uh, and and Marcus Angel's, Angel is also a guy that sort of traveled around the globe, uh, physically and virtually. You know, via email and and whatnot, but he's he's been on trips and and gone out to to get the research. It's probably been coming up on a year, maybe since March or something, when you were out there last time to even check on the car. And uh, yeah, uh, and maybe March or April, like it was, uh, the paint was getting done. So uh, uh, you know, you know, it's. It's going to be interesting to uh, to get into it with with Marcus about uh, you know you know he's got other projects and other clients as well but uh, uh, you know when this thing is out to paint for a while or an engine's getting built for a while he can work on some other projects and continue to do the research but that's how these builds end up taking so goddamn long but uh, it looks great um, uh, it's going to be exciting to do it I, I it was supposed to debut potentially at an event like you said november of last year um the the right thing would be to postpone that is there a new deadline or is there a new debut event that you guys have your sights set on no i think since there's not a deadline that we're going to set for it i think we learned you know what the past deadline that we didn't meet and Mm -hmm. the the realization that we weren't going to be able to hold ourselves to it, that um, a, a restoration like this doesn't need 
to be bound by deadlines. It, it's done when it's done, and everything else revolves around it as opposed to the other way around. Um, I just want it done right. I want it done, you know, one time. I want it done perfect, and that's the most important part of this equation, not getting it ready for a Barrett-Jackson, a world of weird, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not pushing it by any stretch of imagination to, to meet a date. But but will there be a a tour or some media schedule for the car when it is done? Do you do you, absolutely? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as much as I know, you want to get it home and go up and down your driveway with that thing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it you spend all this time on it. I know you like to show it off, and I'm sure there's going to be some opportunities with uh, military bases and stuff that you've done before with it, but. But, you know, this is going to be a big year. We've got fabulous Fords forever out here in California. It's a big show. I think it's in April and and a bunch of other things that uh, uh, Mustang Week, I think, is uh, on on the East Coast. Is it North Carolina, South Carolina? I forgot where that that is. Here's the deal on this car. You know, this car is is my baby. And we Mm -hmm. all know the history. Well, most of us know the history about this car. Yeah. And... Going, it was a, it was a very big decision for me to choose to have anybody touch it, whether it be Marcus or, or anyone else, and restore it. And you know what was going to be done with it. The fact is, is that the people that saw this car in Vietnam, the people that know this car well, they're dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the reality of of nature, and the onus on us getting this thing done in a specific period of time was to get it out on tour so that those said people that are still walking this earth can get a glimpse of this car, can look at it again, can touch it again, can reminisce about the stories when they first saw it. Um, you know, so that's our deadline. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what the tour is going is going to be all about. Um, we haven't even started formulating the tour yet, but I don't believe it's going to be an issue one way or another. Um, I just need to get it out to the public, to those, to those people who need to see the car. Yeah. Um, that's my duty, you know, as the owner of this car. And, and I, I think it's going to be a wonderful sight, you know, to see these people, you know, rekindle the relationship they had with the car back in the day. Yeah, and now that so much of the story has been properly documented <laughs> as part of the yeah. restoration, uh, uh, it'll be, it'll be. You're right. It'll be a little bit uh, nostalgic uh, to to see. <clears throat> excuse me. To see, yeah, some storyboards and some photos and some things that that go along with uh, that go along with that car. But uh, anyway, it's it's a cool project. Um, it's uh, it was good to get a little bit of update on that. We should check in with Marcus and. Uh, and uh, kind of see what he's feeling on it and what kind of deadline he's got in mind or what needs to be done on it. And, you know, did he run anything run into anything that was difficult? Did he find anything into the story that was interesting that he didn't know before? I'm sure there's a lot going on there. So let's make a plan for that uh, uh, sometime soon. And uh, uh, the other projects you were working on um, – <laughs> Uh, next one. <laughs> yeah, next one. Uh, let's talk about the red eye, right? This is the uh, this is the red eye that the woman bumped the rear of this thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then <laughs> that got fixed, and then we took it out to uh, to Springfest, 
And uh, it looked great there. It had the full Expel wrap on it, by the way, which I thought uh, the, the the new wraps, the quality of that stuff is fantastic. But um, I think you you were you were texting me saying you were doing a fuel pump on it. Yeah, I uh, I was having I took it in for a computer update mm-hmm. to the uh, local Bernie Dodge dealership, and uh, those guys are wonderful, by the way. And uh, I took it in, and they did the update. Took it back home, and uh, the damn thing wouldn't start when I got back to the garage. And, you know, obviously the first thing you're checking as it's turning over and turning over is the fuel. So I look at the fuel gauge. It's three-quarters of the tank. So, hey, man, you know, something's going on. So uh, I call Bernie. They come out, and after about 45 minutes of trying to find, you know, if fuel's getting getting to the engine, <laughs> yeah. I put some gas. I put some gas in the tank and the damn thing starts right up. So boom, you know, uh, I feel like a horse's ass that, uh, I didn't just think about putting gas in it, even though the tank said three quarters of a tank, um, just to see, but, uh, end result, obviously fuel pump, fuel sending unit, um, found out that that's behind the back seat, which is a nice little tidbit to know. And, um, uh, as I'm sitting here right next to it, it's been rectified. They got that thing done and, two or three hours and sitting back in the garage. Okay. It was interesting. So they, I thought there was some kind of issue with, uh, with fuel pumps when the Hellcats were, were coming out. So I don't know if it was um, a sending unit or the pump itself, but I, I vaguely recall maybe they recalled the Hellcats. I forgot which year, if it was the first year or if it was sort of ongoing, there was some fuel pump issues and, I'm just curious if this was, uh, uh, I don't know, well, some sort of legacy or carryover. Well, I would have issue yeah. rectified by 219 for damn sure. My yeah. question is, was it part of the issue when the nice little lady gave me a tap in the rear end? Yeah. Yeah, it certainly could have been. Um, something you know, so. Something got whacked out of place there. And, uh, uh, yeah, so... You're saying that the fuel pump itself probably wasn't bad, but the sending unit was. So you may have been out of fuel in the car. Oh, I was out of fuel. So you were yeah, out of fuel, no but it I, said I was it was three quarters out of, of the fuel, tank. And it, and it showed three quarters of the tank. All right. So it was, uh, it was a sending unit, um, which is interesting. So, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe when, uh, when that lady uh, uh, hit the back of the car, maybe that was one of the issues that you just didn't even anticipate. Maybe it looked like the tank was fine and there was no damage to it, but uh, somehow, you know, knocked that thing around and uh, got that get the sending unit wedged or got the float or whatever method it's using inside there uh, to get it to uh, to jam up. That's a uh, it's interesting. Um, it, and I wonder if it was when there was no fuel in it at all. That's when it 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 dropped down to a place where it got wedged as a result of that accident, you know? And if you always filled it up and you always had a couple gallons in there, you know, it would never seat all the way at the bottom and uh, something along the lines of that. But I don't have the a picture of the fuel pump in, in my head right now. I don't know what it exactly looks like. I'm just anticipating what some of the different fuel floats look like 
in the tank. But uh, all right, well, it's good as long as it's not a, 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 a worse issue. I thought you were going to say you needed to do a fuel pump because you're doing work on the thing and you're turning up the boost and now you're running out of fuel. And, and, uh, <laughs> well, and, that's, that's next. You and, know, as Mario gives me shit for having <laughs> a, a stock red eye sitting here with 797 horsepower. Yeah, right. It's so, stock. Yeah, um, you know, as, as he's flying in tonight so that we can work on my carbon car, the speed core car tomorrow morning. Um, I, I, I think he's probably bringing me a couple of goodies for the red eye too. So yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's a sad day when a guy's got to drive around in a stock red eye at seven ninety seven and be, and be trashed. Right. Uh, all right. So speaking of Mario, Mario is from gearhead fabrications. This is the engine builder. Uh, I think he's out of, uh, Florida. He's in Florida, yeah. right? So this is the guy that does the uh, the engines for for Speedcore. They have a great partnership. You've been working with them, both Speedcore and Gearhead, for some time on several of the projects. And uh, and the black carbon fiber wide body Challenger that was at SEMA, right in the Magnaflow yeah. booth next to the truck. Uh, this was the vehicle that was there. Which, by the way, when I got a chance to listen to that thing, when I I rolled in my truck, and then a few minutes later they brought your car in. That thing sounds sick. It is absolutely an unbelievable vehicle. I mean, from top to bottom, whether it's visually or mechanically, uh, this thing aesthetically is beautiful. It drives beautiful, or it did drive beautiful until this latest issue. But um, they they did a hell of a job with that car. I just I, I'm very thankful he's flying in and getting it retuned and getting the the, the rear diff switched out for me. And uh, I can drive the damn thing because I've only driven it once since I, you and I both saw it at SEMA. So, yeah. Um, so what, what's Mario you know, coming that, in that, to that's do? kind of what happens when you have Samuel Hubinet uh, help break it in for you. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> why the diff go bad? You just explain that. <laughs> was, I truly, you know, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm going to hearken back to when we were in Milwaukee and and Leah broke the record again in the twin turbo challenger, the twin turbo demon. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think I blew the diff out there doing, doing burnouts, but, um, needless to say, we got a demon diff going in it and, uh, it should be good up to, I think what, 11, 1200 horsepower. Okay. That's interesting. I was thinking about what, um, when I was bringing my truck to SEMA and I was doing the brakes and stuff on it, I had a, an Eaton True Track diff that I put in there. So uh, I I have, uh, you know, I guess if I decide to throw the, you know, the truck around some corners or an autocross one day, I've already got that done in there. And it's pretty, it's pretty beefy. Um, so you blew out the diff in this, in, in, in the black, uh, in the carbon fiber car. But Mario's coming out, out the there. Diff, lost a lot of fluid uh, from some of the plumbing with the Whipple. So... Um, if it was just something as fairly simple and straightforward as the diff, Mario would not be coming up here. He's going to retune the car and try to try to uh, uh, check the plumbing out and see rectify that that issue we got. And, um, yeah, man, and he's just he's coming up to get it right. So, so there's there's a leak in the Whipple. Is it leaking oil? There's yes. some oil in it. So it's leaking no, some- no, it's 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 leaking leaking uh, fluid. Fluids. Not not oil. Not oil. So, because is the is that big Whipple charger water cooled? Yeah, it, it is water cooled, and I think it has the uh, air to water interchanger underneath it. But I don't know if the Whipple itself is water cooled. I I believe the guys at Kenny Bell do a big supercharger that's water cooled. 
because uh, yeah, it's it so is. big. It uh, is, the and there are more the lines yeah. going in and out of this engine yeah. compartment. You know, I, I'm I'm I have a, a rudimentary knowledge of what I'm doing, but when it comes to dealing with an 1100 horsepower six speed carbon <laughs> carbon fiber yeah, yeah. Challenger that they just handed over to me, I, I'm 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 not gonna. I'm not going to try it. Right. No, this, this is good. And also, I think it's something that Mario wants to to figure out because your car was one of the first to, to be done this way. And, and, uh, and I, look, in a perfect world, you guys would live near each other or you'd have, you know, he'd be a local shop to you so he can, you know, work out some of the bugs. But uh, in lieu of that, he's going to have to get on a plane and come out there and visit you. And, and that's very, excuse me, it's very nice of him to do that. So, um, be interesting to see where it goes. I guess while he's out there, maybe he's going to pop the hood on your new uh, Ram truck and see if uh, see if he, he, can, he, he, see if he can yeah, whip on there Whipple too. Doesn't have a bolt on for that, so he's uh, going to have yeah. to fabricate a custom system for it. But you know, leave it to Mario. He's already got something in mind, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to shove the the super duty in his face for about 15 minutes for sure to see what, <laughs> what he can come up with. Yeah, pick him up in the airport and be like, man, uh, I would have got here sooner, but my truck is so slow. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, let's go back to that Bronco, man. What yeah. what year was that? Was that at 85? Uh, no, it's a mid, it's mid 90s, um, kind right. of or early to mid 90s. It's around the year of my lightning. And I know uh, when I bought my lightning, a bunch of guys on social media were like, you got to get the night because it has this sort of the purpley kind of uh, uh, faded graphic on that side that said night. It was just a graphics package, but it was one of those things that was kind of unique at the time. And someone in my neighborhood just has one, and uh, they blacked out the wheels and stuff, and it looks kind of badass. Um, That's a great truck, man. I had one of those, dude. I bought it in Tijuana right when I got done (laughs) with the Rams 100 years ago. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I ended, I ended up shipping that thing back to back to Georgia, and I drove it there for I don't know four or five years. But that's one hell of a truck. And right now, there you could probably still grab it at a, at a decent price because you know with the other Bronco coming out, and, you know they're gonna, people are going to get nostalgic. Yeah. So my issue is is we're starting to run out of places to park these things. This is so. Uh, Adam Carroll is, is, you know, we've been working over there and he's been building out this new, uh, shop, new kind of showroom place that we talked about. You're building your garage. He's building his, I don't know. It's about 6,500 square feet. He's been building a loft, like a hangout kind of man cave loft in it. It's about 1500 square foot loft. Uh, we brought in like big ass fans. We did some LED lighting, and they had to, you know, get the permits. And God, you gotta have a stupid permit for everything. Like you just change the electrical, you add an outlet or something. You got permits for everything, and it just sits there forever. And uh, the, these engineers, I'm sure Adam will have a lot to say about it on on, on the show later this week. But uh, just uh, just a, a mess doing it. But uh, the place we have here is the back shop, the race shop, is is full. We can't pull a car in and out there. You want to come over here and just do something simple like an oil change or brakes. Uh you're you know, you're you're out in the parking lot and you're doing it. And there's some parking lot space, but a lot of that's been taken as well. So our guy Sean, he had his own shop as well and uh the landlord kicked him out. They're selling it uh they they kicked him out because he's working on cars and out here uh all the cannabis companies are coming in and they're paying a premium for these damn warehouses and they're not working on cars and the landlords love that. 
So they kicked him out and all of his containers and project vehicles. And uh, so uh, Adam uh, was nice to let him use, uh, you know, our parking lot. And it's just it's it's full of stuff. It's, uh, it's I bet just, the landlord loves that. One. Well, Adam owns these buildings. He owns the he owns oh, the nice. parking lots. He owns the nice. buildings. And and uh, uh, Adam's been. Uh, He's been good. He's been smart that all the buildings, the studio we're in here, the uh, the, the race shop, the big uh, showroom over there, even the new building, everything, uh, he bought them all. So uh, so he, he gets to control. It, it, we have a parking lot. It's behind a gate, and the gate is kind of private, and it's all, you know, so um, uh, it was easy to do. It's just taking up a lot of space. Um, and that's my issue is, is I don't have any space. And uh, now we're at to the point where Adam's like, well, maybe we should rent like another warehouse, you know, not buy it, just rent it and uh, just a few thousand square feet and store a bunch of the projects that we're not going to get to anytime soon. And I said, great, well, count me in for a few hundred square feet and, uh, uh, you know, and, and I'll pay for that and I'll store some of my my, my vehicles there and uh, – and be able to work on them a little bit. I only have uh, a, a couple parking spaces at my place, and I don't even like to keep them. It's kind of – it's not really covered parking either. So, uh, you know, I want to, you know, put the truck over there, put the BMW over there, maybe move the Mustang over there. Plus, I've got like three, you know, sheds full of parts and parts and parts. And uh, when we when we take the next steps on the lightning and pull the engine out and stuff, I need a place to do it. I need a place to put the engine, uh, the transmission, and uh, and all of that. So, and we're running out of space here. So we might end up getting more space. Uh, uh, which, uh, man, I I started off the new year going, hey, you know, I should do this, get some more space, and we're going to make some moves on the truck here, and I'm going to do this. I'm like, already, it's ridiculously expensive. Like. <laughs> uh, Talking to um, talking to my friend Mark Bowler from Bowler Transmissions. You guys heard of Bowler Transmissions? Uh, that are all over the episodes of Overhauling back in the day. And uh, I know we had discussions about the Lightning, about what transmission to do. And uh, I was I was really moving forward on uh, the U.S. Shift uh, transmission controller, which I like, which I'm still going to use. And we were going to do the six R eighty. Six-speed transmission. Uh, it's a new Ford transmission, and uh, it turns out, although that's a good transmission, and there are some upgrades to it, the amount of power and the potential way I intend to use the Lightning, the sustained longevity of the six-speed is not going to hold up. It's a great transmission, but when temperatures rise in that transmission, it really doesn't like that. And there's no way around it. You can run a big cooler and stuff on it. Um, so we need to take a step back, go back to something that's uh, uh, much more proven. And it looks like it's going to be a 4L80E. It's going to be a GM transmission. It's going to have an adapter plate on it. It's the electronic version of the 4L80 uh, we're going to use the U.S. Shift controller for it, um, and uh, and I might end up going back to doing the gear vendors unit and doubling the gears of it, and you can switch it on and off. So the four-speed will essentially be an eight-speed with a double overdrive. By the way, the gear vendors unit handles over 2,500 horsepower. All the land speed record guys use them. A bunch of drag racers use them. Anybody that does like drag week, hot rod drag week, 
and they have to drive, you know, they have to whatever, drive from track to track or they have to drive that whatever, like 30-mile thing. A bunch of these guys use that gear vendors unit, um, even behind like a, a like a power glider or two-speed transmission or something. Um, it makes it a little bit drivable. So uh, that's what's looking like the transmission. But, man, I was doing the math on this. The Bowler transmission guys, for them to to build me a transmission that handles the horsepower, the adapter plates, the torque converter, the gear vendors unit, the U.S. shift controller, which uh, isn't inexpensive, by the way, and I'm looking at a at a push button uh, conversion for it. So I get rid of the column shifter, goes to an electronic push button that I can mount somewhere on the dash. Just all of that in a drive shaft, twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> twenty thousand. What a bargain! Yeah, twenty thousand dollars to do the transmission. Basically, I mean, obviously we're we're going way over the top with it, and needs to handle a thousand horsepower, but. Uh, it's a $20,000 package, and uh, that kept me up, literally kept me up last night because I got the email yesterday from Mark Bowler going, this is where he's at on his things, and then we got to get the other items, and and uh, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be $20,000. <laughs> the truck didn't cost me $20,000. The whole thing didn't cost me $20,000. Just the transmission, the shit you're never even going to see. <laughs> Especially because well, hey, the hey, truck's just lower. Be thankful if you owned a Ferrari, that wouldn't even cover the oil change. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, try doing the timing belts on that thing, and that, and uh, the. Now you, you're right. You make a good point because I will be able to feel the difference. This will be a night and day difference on this thing, and this truck will haul ass and run great and be uh, essentially bulletproof. Um, but but yeah, this is. When you start getting into this, you're looking at around twenty thousand dollars for it. But, uh, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Not do it? Can't not do it? That'd be insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, doing that, uh, a few more updates. Um, when we did the dyno test over at Gale Banks. We love Gale Banks. He put it on the dyno. We mounted the I-dash gauges in there. We got all sorts of readings and sensors and stuff in there. And we were talking about the heat generated. Um, we did a little, uh, I did a little research over the, over the break. It looks like I have a uh, 2.7 inch uh, supercharger crank pulley, which is argu- arguably the quote unquote nine pound pulley. But I believe these supercharger kits came with a seven-inch diameter crank pulley, and I have this six and a half for some reason on there. So maybe that's what's slowing it down. I'm only pulling about four and a half pounds of boost uh, on the supercharger, according to my bank's eye dash. And uh, so that was one of the things we looked at. Um, and then the other thing on that dyno was the amount of heat being pulled in there. And uh, as you guys know, I've talked about it before, uh, Gale Banks installed an ambient temperature gauge. So this is a gauge in front of the grill that pulls outside air temperature. And right now it's been cool out here. It's been about 60 degrees. And then I've got a temperature gauge on the inlet between the filter and the supercharger. So I've got an inlet temp. And then I've got an outlet temp between the supercharger and the throttle body and then a temp gauge, a temp sensor in the manifold. So I can look at 
60 degrees outside the car. I can see it's pulling, you know, 80, 90 degrees in the intake. It's blowing 100 into the engine. And when it's in the engine, it's about 120 degrees. It's basically doubling ambient temperature to inside the engine. There's no intercooler on this. And that open element filter underneath the hood, it makes a huge difference. Guys, when you think of these cold air intakes and these open element filters, without some sort of a shrouding on it or or a cold air intake, a true cold air intake, not an open element filter, just a true cold air intake is what you need. Uh, I I <laughs> realize that it's by the way, when you're moving, when you're on the freeway and you're going 40, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour. I can see the gauge come down. I can see the intake temperatures come down. And when I stop at a stoplight for three minutes, my inlet temperatures start to rise just because it's now I'm not moving and it's sucking in engine compartment heat. Underhood heat is going right into that open element filter. And even just a few minutes at a stoplight, you can see that thing raise 10, 15 to 20 degrees. So it's a very, very interesting experiment. At that sounds like just about every single car that I have had prior to buying these new Dodges. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's 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 amazing how you do it. By the way, the old school, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that run, uh, you know, carbureted cars, and they've just got the traditional kind of round air filter. Um, and uh, you know, some of the racing cars have something a little bit more creative, and it pulls in from the cowl, or or have got some sort of ram air effect. That open element filter, I posted a photo on my social media, Motor Monday or something, a couple of weeks ago of my 65 Mustang. And uh, it was a very clean engine, 347. It had the traditional like Hypo 289 sticker on the air cleaner. And uh, I had a stock hood on that. That thing would pull in so much hot air uh, on that setup. It was just a, it's just a why we still uh, consider an open element filter a good thing. It's actually not. So, um, I did a little bit of experimenting. I called up uh, the guys at Spectre, uh, K&N Filters and Spectre. They're all one company. And they have this canister. It's like a seven-inch, six-inch round chrome canister. And it's got a filter in it. It's got like a cone filter in it. And uh, and you can sort of um, – uh, you can put four-inch tubing on either end. So I, I went from the supercharger uh, to some piping – uh, to this canister, and then from the canister into the wheel well, which is uh, a colder air coming through the wheel well, nothing in the engine compartment. Now, the canister itself is just uh, a, a chrome piece of metal, so that will heat up, but it is blocking out the hot air. It probably should have some sort of Zycode or Zybar coating on it, uh, something insulating, some sort of insulating cover. Even if I wrapped it, in something, uh, which would be better. But just putting that canister on there and pulling air from the outside, I dropped intake temperatures by 15 to 20 degrees, depending if I'm on a stoplight or if I'm driving or whatever. On average, it's been about a 15 to 20 degree drop. So right there, I'd be curious to know what this thing would do on the dyno. Um, uh you know, I, I don't think I'm going to keep this set up. I'm going to do something a little bit better, a little more creative later. But it's sort of, uh, sort of hacked together just as a test for now. Um, but interesting how that, how that really kind of made a difference. Um, uh, and then from there, I was, I was.
looking at the uh, supercharger, as you know, we have the Powerdyne. It has uh, 100,000 miles on it. It was on basically since new. I'm talking to uh, my friends over at uh, 928 Motorsports. 928 Motorsports has the fastest Porsche 928 on the planet. They have a land speed 928. It runs a big uh, uh, supercharger on it. I think it runs a big Vortex supercharger on it. Something like 214 mile an hour land speed record 214 could be 270 don't they have the only 928 on the planet <laughs> <laughs> well they have the only one that runs <laughs> they have the only one that runs uh fairly reliably i guess but um uh anyway they're they're kind of known as racing porsche guys but in developing this land speed car over the years it's called the meg by the way like uh like the movie with the big underwater monster the meg um They've become become centrifugal supercharger experts, and they end up developing their own parts. They have a new impeller uh, for uh, for the Pro Chargers and the Vortex and the Power Nines. They have a new impeller that they designed, that they machine in house. They have a patent on it. Uh, just everything from the curvature of the veins and uh, on the uh, on the uh, impeller is all kind of unique to them. Um, it's much more efficient. Uh, it it creates more boost with the same RPM. Um, you know, they, they've kind of figured it out. So I took the power dying off to them. I said, hey, man, this thing's probably running a little tired. The uh, the impeller design, the whole design of this thing is is pretty old, 20-something years old. What can you do? And they said, look, you know, the power dying, it's belt-driven. It's got uh, a dry bearings in it. There's no oil, uh, there's no self-contained oil, no engine oil. They said, we can help. But uh, eventually, you're going to want a bigger supercharger. And I said, well, as an experiment, let's just rebuild this one. Do your upgrades to it. Let's see what kind of power we make. And then when I swap the engine in, uh, we'll step up to something more. But just for the sake of the show and the sake of content, can we do something with a Powerdyne? By the way, there's a bunch of superchargers out there, Vortex, Pro Chargers, Powerdynes, used inexpensive. Does it make sense to go buy something new? That's certainly an option. Maybe a less expensive option would be to rebuild the one you have, rebuild it with some upgrades or rebuild it stock, or buy something new uh, or buy something used inexpensively, um, maybe one that has a spun bearing or something, and, and have it sent out to rebuild it. There's plenty of places that do it. I chose 928 Motors, Motorsports. So they're taking the power dine and they're doing a few things. Is um, uh, One, they're putting their impeller upgrade in. Two, they've worked with Continental Belts, a longtime sponsor of the show, to develop a belt that is stronger uh, overall inside the supercharger. So it's a much better, longer-lasting belt inside the supercharger. And the bearings that they do are a much upgraded ceramic bearing that they're doing. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting is because there's no oil or anything in the Powerdyne, they found a way to vent the case. I think it's much more complicated than just drilling a hole in it, but maybe there is a version of that. They vent the case which lets hot air out of it because when that hot air gets trapped in there, uh, that's what burns up the bearings. So they they vent the case as well. So um, I'm going to see what sort of upgrades, uh, what it can do. I, I just literally unbolted it, sent it to them. They're going to rebuild the whole thing. 
I'm going to bolt it back on and just drive it and see if I notice any difference. Am I making any more boost? Are my temperatures are any different? Uh, just see what it does. So interesting little experiment. I guess we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find out and see how that goes. But um, Can we please have our Elon Musk update of the week? <laughs> I don't have an Elon I mean, you Musk. You got to comment on you. You have to. You got to comment on him dancing. Dude. I mean, like that was the most ridiculous thing. I've oh yeah, in my yeah. Life. Um, uh, as goofy as all of that is, uh, before we wrap up, because we've got to do another show out of here soon. Um, we've got more updates. I did a lot more stuff on the truck, but I just want to give a a, a, a shout out to. Um, we have lots of friends in the automotive industry. Uh, lots of people that are always are hustling to get work done journalists, photographers, writers. Um, uh, there's been huge layoffs in the industry and they all fight for work, the talented people fighting for work, uh, trying to pick up some freelance gigs. And uh, and uh, we get calls by them all the time. They want to do a piece on on the Porsche or, or, or one of your projects or, or like that. And I appreciate that. New laws in California, this AB5, I believe it's called, is making things very difficult. This is the gig law, basically. Uh, it's all because of uh, of Uber and Lyft and how they treat their drivers and all that stuff. But because these laws are making them employees, it means that a lot of companies that rely on freelancers can no longer use freelancers because – there isn't an easy and efficient or, you know, truth be told, inexpensive way of making that happen because all these people have to be employees with certain – they have entitled to certain benefits. And uh, as much as we would like these people to have uh, – so many of these people would like to have jobs that pay a regular salary, not everybody does. And the result, it seems like, for this law is – not people are getting benefits. It's people are no longer getting jobs. And uh, uh, anyway, um, it's a it's a sort of a sad state, and it does affect uh, a, a bunch of uh, friends in the automotive industry. So I uh, I'm sorry to hear about that. Um, hopefully, uh, will, something will come up this year where they fight this law. I know Uber and Lyft and and some of the other you know delivery companies and stuff are are all contributing to fight it. Um, so whether you're a fan or not, anybody that's affected negative to, negatively of this, uh, I just want to say that uh, I feel for you, brother. brother. And uh, I hope things uh, work out. And if anything comes up on my end, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to reach out to, to, to friends and say, hey, we, we've got something for you. But um, anyway, uh, just a shout out to that because we've got a lot of friends out there in the industry. Um, Ditto. Yeah, man. So uh, uh, that's uh, pretty much all we have time for today. Um, uh, I know there's more. Uh, like I said, we got uh, uh, Scottsdale Auction Week coming up uh, next week. I'm going to be out there for the uh, opening night uh, gala event. I believe we're going to have one more show. We'll be in the studio here uh, next week, and then I will fly out right after that. And uh, you and yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am forbidden to go to the Scottsdale auctions because. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm building a garage with no more spaces in it. There you go. You can't go because you end up buying, and uh, that's it. One project at a time. Let's get that lawman Mustang fixed up <laughs> first. And uh, and by the way, we got to check in with Mark, Mark Warman and see uh, what's he been up to. Yes, we do. Um, 
Lots on the list. Yeah, lots on the list. And then you'll give us an update next week about what happened today with Mario and Gearhead Fabrications coming over your place. Yes, sir. And uh, hopefully soon we'll be talking more about the 15 or 1600 horsepower twin turbo charger of mine. Oh, yeah. Man, between Speedcore and Gearhead, those guys, they got, they got enough projects of yours, of yours alone going on. So uh, it's going to be exciting. Um, guys, Happy New Year. Thanks so much. Uh, we appreciate you all so much for, for, for tuning in uh, again and again, week after week, and, and putting up with, uh, with, our, with our antics and our phone calls. And uh, Goldberg had a donkey yelling at him the other week, and that was on the show. And uh, – uh, that's that's it. That's the way this works. If we're going to do this show, we've got to be able to be kind of kind of scrappy. You got to be flexible, and we appreciate everybody okay. staying staying in tune with us. And uh, to all the new listeners, man, uh, two twenty is going to be one hell of a year here at the podcast. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, and we appreciate it. Love you guys. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap things up. Um, thanks, uh, thanks, Chris. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you guys. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Um, of course, you can find us at carcastshow.com. You can follow me at Motorator on social media. It's uh, Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter and Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. Catch all the updates there. Lots of stuff we're going to be posting for sure. So uh, until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. And some fuel in the tank. <laughs> For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.